We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, Irish Breakdown Nation, welcome back. It is Thursday, and as promised, we said we are going to do the all-opponent team. And Ryan, this is going to be a really quick show because apparently, if I don't have an Ohio State kid at every single position, then we are haters of the Buckeyes. So uh, pick an Ohio State starter, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, no, in all seriousness, we're going to actually pick a real all-opponent team, and we're going to have some fun with it. And then at the end, after that, we're going to kind of go – what are the best position groups that Notre Dame is going to face? You know, forget individual players. Like, what's the best backfield? What's the best receiving core? There will be a heavy Ohio State influence there. Uh, but when we go individual players, there's some really good football players in the schedule, Ryan. And there's a couple positions that it was almost kind of like pull a name out of a hat because there's really nobody. I mean, defensive end is going to – my answer, defensive end is going to be really interesting after Miles Murphy. Uh, there's a couple other positions where it's like, uh, I mean, uh, there's really nobody good, but, you know, let's just – who this guy happens to be the best of the mediocre players. So uh, in other areas, it was the opposite. Picking a receipt, three receivers was not easy because there's yeah. at least four that deserve to be on this list, uh, and you can make a case for even more. So uh, we had some fun with it, and I think you all are going to have some fun with it. And then after we do that, we're going to go, what would the all-opponent team look like if we put included Notre Dame players and no, it won't be the Ohio state Homer version of it. It's not going to be 22 kids of Notre Dame. We're going to have some fun with it and talk about who are the Notre Dame players that truly belong in the best of the best conversation. So that's what we are going to do today, Ryan. And of course we're going to start on offense because that's what I like to do. I like to start on offense and further increasing my bias. We're going to start a quarterback and there's, I would argue Ryan, that and you and I discussed this before the show. I would argue this is the strongest position group on Notre Dame's schedule when you look at it from its entirety. I think you could make an argument for receiver, and you did, mm-hmm. but I think it's quarterback because I think if the quarterbacks play to their potential this season, there are four really, really good quarterbacks on the schedule. But the best of the best, and it's not really a conversation, is CJ Stroud from Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, like, there's 
Tanner McKee from Stanford, who deserves a slight mention. Jaron Hall is a good player from BYU. Of course, Phil Dracovic's a guy that both of us really like. Caleb Williams has the ability to be kind of the dynamic dual threat player for USC potentially this year under Lincoln Riley. But CJ Stroud is a Heisman Trophy finalist last year. He's an early favorite to maybe that be wasn't the a fluke. quarterback. Right. Yes. And that, that wasn't a fluke. That was, well, oh, yeah. he's good because he plays in this system <laughs> and he's got three great receivers. Well, yeah, he's that's all true. But he's, he's also, also really, really good. <laughs> yes. I mean, those, I mean, Brian, honestly, because you, you look at that wide receiver group last year and it's easy to make that assumption, right? Sure. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And you, you look around and you're like, oh, now he's got Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably going to be the next big thing and Emeka and Julian Fleming. And there's a lot of talented receivers. But the maturation that you saw from him from game one to the end of the season, I mean, by the end of the season, he was playing fantastic football. And it wasn't just chuck it up and let your guy make a play. It was, let's get through our process. Let's get through our reads, get through our progressions, make plays, get more comfortable in the pocket. He was a much better player by the end of the season, and he deserves all the fanfare that he gets. He could be the Mm -hmm. first pick in the draft next year, potentially. We'll see what happens with the quarterback position. He's definitely going to be in the Heisman race, at least to start the year. He's a really good football player, and he deserves all the mention. But to your point, there is also a lot of good quarterbacks on yeah, and that's why we wanted to kind of talk about it as a whole because it's almost like it's it's almost sort of disrespectful if we don't talk about the potential big year that Caleb Williams could have at USC in a similar situation. Really good offensive system. He's going to have really good talent around him at receiver, at running back, just like C.J. Stroud is going to have at both of those things. Mm-hmm. I would argue that, that C.J. Stroud has a better offensive line coming back, but Caleb Williams is going to be playing inferior competition, if we're being honest, in the Pac-12. So uh, he's going to have a big year statistically. Phil Dracovic, we think if he stays healthy, is going to have a big year statistically. Jaron Hall is a kid I really enjoy watching play. He's in a different level than those other kids as a as a sort of pr- uh, projecting to the next level. Mm-hmm. But as a college football player, he's a really good college quarterback. I really enjoy watching him. And then, of course, Tanner McKee is – you know, if you're just talking projection, could have a really big year this year. Is it receiving course healthy? I just wish they had better offensive line play in, in regard to if we're just looking at, at Tanner's projection. And, you know, there was a kid that I really liked on the schedule uh, that transferred to Grant Wells from Marshall that transferred to Virginia Tech, who would have been on this conversation. So the quarterback play would have even been better if it wasn't for some transfers. And, and you know, and then you, you just kind of go through the schedule. You know, Drake May was a four-star recruit who's taken over at North Carolina. You know, Garrett Schrader's a real dynamic runner at Syracuse. You know, not really much of a passer last year, but really good rushing quarterback. Had over 10 touchdowns last year, I believe, he, correct? He he led on a offense that had Sean Tucker, who's one of the best running backs in college football as well. He had he led them in rushing touchdowns with 14. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Really so, nice just, just some good quarterbacks on the schedule this year, Ryan. Just all across the schedule, which makes this – I mean, I think that's where you look and say, okay, this could be the thing that makes the schedule a little bit more challenging than what it might otherwise be is because you do have some good quarterbacks that – you know, and Grant Schrader – or Garrett Schrader's had some games where you're like, you know, if he can play like that more consistently, this kid could be pretty dangerous – and so that's what that's what makes this schedule, uh, you know. And there's some other familiar names. So Jake Jack Plummer is uh, going to be Notre Dame's going to have to face him again this year at at Cal. He transferred from Purdue to Cal. He's okay, you know, big strong arm kid, just not necessarily a great quarterback. So that's going to be fun. So quarterback C.J. Stroud and, and you and I did a top 15 quarterbacks in the country, and I actually had C.J. Stroud as my number one quarterback. Period. Mm-hmm. In the country, not just Notre Dame opponents, but you know, I I didn't argue that you had Bryce Young. I mean, hello, you won the Heisman Trophy last year and you put up monster numbers, 
Right. But he also played two more games than C.J. Stroud did when you compare the numbers. And and uh, and he also played with a pretty good receiving core. So well, I think Brian, that Brian, uh, yeah, I ahead. know that we were unanimous on this pick, right, with C.J. Stroud. I think oh, it's yeah. kind of a no-brainer. If I'd ask you who would have been your second option if C.J. Stroud was not on the schedule, do you have like a clear winner there? Because I think no. you can go a couple different ways, right? No, like, it, yeah. there's two ways I would have looked at it. It would have been Caleb Williams or Phil Dracovic. And the reason I'd have gone Caleb Williams is just statistically he's going to yeah. put up better numbers. Right. Agreed. So if we're just looking statistics, if we're talking about a guy that I really think is going to have is going to impact the game, I really believe that Phil Dracovic is going to have a big year this year. Uh, now, the problem would be, can, how can you manifest that comparison when you're going to look at the numbers when Phil Dracovic is going to play in more of a pro style? You know, they're not up tempo. They're not going to run as many plays as USC. They're not going to throw the ball as much as USC. But as far as just a guy that can put a team on his shoulders, I think Phil Dracovic is going to be in that conversation. But the combination of numbers plus impact, I probably would have leaned towards Caleb Williams. Uh, yeah. And also, Caleb's coming off of a, a good year where Phil's coming off of an injury and didn't, you know, didn't play a ton. And he was, I mean, really not himself the last four games of the year, uh, but still, you know, won a couple, you know, a couple went four and two as a starter last year. So he's got to prove to me he can stay healthy. That's the big yes. thing that Phil's got to do which is probably the final piece that would probably have me leaning towards Caleb Williams, but it wouldn't shock me if Phil Dracovic is in that conversation. And I'll tell you something right now. If yeah. the Stanford offensive line plays well this year, we're going to be talking about Tanner McKee possibly being in that conversation too. Because yeah. he's going to – assuming they can stay – there's a lot of ifs with Stanford. they got to stay healthy. The offensive line's got to play well. Two things they haven't proven in years can happen at Stanford. But he's going to have some really good weapons this year. And, and, and a decent running game. If again the line plays well, that's a huge if because they were like epically bad at running the football <laughs> last year. Like they were in the 80, like they made Notre Dame's offensive line last year look like the 2017 Notre Dame offensive line. I'm serious. I mean, they were that bad running the football, 80 some yards a game. If and they, they have can just talents. Be, that's the worst crazy part. thing. Like Walter Rouse looks like an NFL offensive tackle. Miles, yes, Hayden, like just from well, a bot, we like, we whoa, had this man. conversation this summer, Ryan. If you took the yeah. Stanford offensive lineman from a talent standpoint and put them at Notre Dame and had Harry Heastan coaching them, that'd be a oh, good man. offensive line. But yeah. he's not coaching them, thank goodness. And so, uh, you know, he he would be another guy that is my. If we're going to say like who's your number two and who's your dark horse, that my dark horse would be Tanner McKee, just because I think he's a big armed kid. Uh, yeah. Seemed, I mean, the him for him to go on a Mormon mission and come back and kind of pick up reads and all those type of things. There's a lot of these more these BYU quarterbacks, not BYU quarterbacks. Uh, a lot of these quarterbacks, that like you know, I think of Ben Olson. Remember back in the day, mm-hmm. these kids go on missions and they come back and they just they just don't process the game as well as they did before they took two years off. Right. And that wasn't the issue for Tanner McKee. So he's a kid that could be in that conversation. But C.J. Stroud is clearly the number one. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The black velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face, and she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by Trade after she filled out a short quiz. you got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best-tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Next is a position group that is not as strong, but it wouldn't matter if it was strong. And that isn't running back. And again, we're going to go with an Ohio State kid. That is Travion Henderson. Had a really good first year. Numbers, Ryan, are a little – if we're just looking at last year, his numbers were impressive. You know, 1,255 yards, 15 touchdowns, really dynamic kid. His numbers are a little inflated if we're being completely honest with you. He only had three games where he went over 100 yards last year. But I think part of that was the line didn't play well. Uh, They were working him into things a little bit last year. You know, they had a deep backfield. You know, you're playing uh, Master Teague. You're playing Mayan Williams. There was, you know, he was splitting carries. And the line didn't play well. I mean, he went sub 5.0 yards per carry in three of his last five games. And the games he was over were against defenses that just flat out weren't good. And if you look at the four kind of toughest games they had last year, Nebraska, Utah, Michigan, Oregon, which I think were their most competitive games last year. He was sub five at oh, Nebraska. He was sub five yards per carry in each of those games. Yeah. And he was sub four, five in three of the five and was at four, five in another one. So, but I think that had more to do with a, he was a freshman and B the offensive line. I think getting Justin Fry to be their offensive line coach. You look at what he did at BC. You look at what he did at UCLA the last couple of years, really built them from a pretty soft offense to a team that was one of the, I'd say, 15 or 20 best rushing teams in the country last year. I'm not talking statistically. I'm just talking just you break down their film. You look what they did. I think he did a great job with Sean Ryan, who is a guy that I know you're really high on uh, as a blocker for UCLA. And I and I say, okay, that's a 
that's a they're going to be tougher. They're going to be better coached this year. Will it be enough for the opener against Notre Dame? That's a different conversation for a different day. But yeah. when you look at the end of the year, I think that Ohio State offensive line is going to be better than it was last year. And Trayvon Henderson's going to be better than he was last year. I think his workload is going to go up because he's a year older and sure. and and all that. So I, I think he's going to have a big, big year. And it's not so much about what he did last year, because I could pick apart his production last year and put and and make a case for Sean Tucker being sure. the pick uh, based on last year, because he was a far more consistent running back. But when you project it forward to this year, Ryan, I think this kid has a chance to be one of the best running backs in the entire country. Uh, and with all due respect to Sean Tucker, who was the better player last year, I think Travion Henderson's going to be clearly the better player this year. I think it's the talent gap, honestly, because like I, I really do like Sean Tucker, even from an NFL draft perspective. I think he's a good football player. And you, you had a couple guys on this schedule that I mean, I look like I like the Garwo kid from Boston College. I think mm-hmm. he's a really solid runner. You look at, you know, uh, Marshall's Rashid yeah, Ali is which, a kid that's a good football player, but I think yeah. he just stepped yeah. away from the game for a yeah. little bit. So which like, is really, uh, you, you feel for the kid, pray for the kid. Yeah, I mean, to with what he's got in front of him, potential NFL, big season to step away because he's having issues is uh, you feel for the kid. Yeah, and that's, yeah. I mean, just that's all you can do. But he, he's another kid though, Ryan. You talk about this, this kid who's 1,200-yard rusher last year, 1,400-yard rusher last year. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so, I mean, all that to say, Brian, is that you had – I think four guys, in my opinion, that were close from a production standpoint, right? Like they're thousand to fourteen hundred yard rushers last year. But the difference, and the reason that I didn't even think second twice about put using um to picking Travion Henderson is because he's just the best talent on the on the 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 schedule, right? And when we we're projecting forward, you have a great passing game. Should take some some emphasis off the box. Your offense line should be better at least than it was last mm-hmm. year. There's no reason to think that he won't be very productive on top of the obvious. I mean, what's the kid going to run when he comes out? Like four, three, something sure. like oh, he's gosh, incredibly yes. yeah. fast. So at 200 plus, I mean, he's plus 200 pounds. Yeah. Too. He's like 210, 215. Yeah. So he's a well-built kid too. So, I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. So you could, you could. He's a 4.0 you, student coming out of high school too, by the way. Right. And you could, you could convince me that if the improvements are made around him this year and just natural maturation from his own ends, that he could be the best running back in all of college football, not yeah. just the Notre Dame schedule. And so. that's kind of where I'm at, Ryan. Again, that's a projection. You know, you can't say that based off last year. I mean, you take away the 270-plus yards against uh, Tulsa, and he, he wasn't necessarily impressive from a production standpoint. Where he was impressive is, as you said, the talent is really good. And, look, they're going to need to rely on him a little bit more because of the Evan Pryor injury. You know, Evan Pryor was a kid that brought some dynamic playmaking ability, could catch the ball out of the backfield. You're going to need to trade beyond it. Like, Mayan Williams is a good running back, but I don't know if Mayan Williams is the guy I want catching the ball a lot. I know he – didn't he have, like, a big, long screen touchdown last year, or was that Travion? I, uh, I think it was – I think I think against Minnesota. I thought he – or was that – I forget which one of those backs he, had the 70-yard so my, screen against Minnesota. Mayan had a long play against them, but I thought it was a run, but I could be wrong. But he did then, have a long touchdown Then it must have been Travion Minnesota. that had that. So – yeah. So yeah, he didn't have a, yeah, Mayans was a, was a catch, but um, so I, to me, it's just, he's not a really a pass game threat. So it actually backs up what I was saying. He's not a pass game threat. Right. Uh, so I'm trying to remember, it, it might've been a run, Ryan. I think you're right. It was a run, but I think Travion can be a pass game threat. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he can be a guy that, that, that's going to be able to be in the screen game, make those kind of plays. He wasn't really like a, um, you know, Mayan Williams is just really not a guy that you want to be using in that capacity. And then you look at you look actually no, it was Trayvon Henderson that had a seventy yard touchdown catch against Minnesota last year. I was correct on that. 
but he had four for 67 against Maryland, five for 54 against Michigan. This is a kid that's got potential as a pass catcher to put up really good numbers. He had 27 catches last year. I think without Evan Pryor in your lineup, you're going to see even more of that. So I think he could legitimately push for 2,000 yards of offense this year. If the only problem is Ohio State tends to really beat up the Big Ten schedule. Mm-hmm. Will he get enough touches to get to that level? But if, you know, if they use him volume wise enough, he's a kid that could push for 2000, which is why, to your point, I would not be shocked if him and B. John Robinson are battling all season like Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall were last year for who's the best running back in the country. I mean, would you agree that that was kind of the debate last year? Is it Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker? Which one is the best mm-hmm. this year? I think we're going to be having a very similar conversation about Travion Henderson and B. John Robinson. I do. Yeah. Travion's the type of big play threat too. Like he's going to bring off some big runs where like similarly how you talk about Chris Tyree. Like, I mean, there could be some games where they're just playing inferior opponents and he could have eight carries for a hundred something yards. Yeah. Like that's very possible. So to back up your yards total on the season, like he might not have to be a, high volume guy like right. it might not take him 25 carries right. to get to a buck 20 you know like that's... well i mean to your point he had 277 yards against tulsa at 24 carries i mean that's right. a lot of carries but like he's over 10 a pop most people need like 35 40 carries to get 277 you know and then the next game he goes for eight for 93 against akron eight for 71 against Rutgers. you know nine for 81 against indiana he had a lot of those kind of games you saw his volume amp up late in the year which kind of his production tamped down because they played a little bit better competition second half of the season and like i said the line will start look there's a reason that ryan day got rid of his line coach yes. and it wasn't just because you know he didn't like coach studs bald head i mean you know, like there's a reason why he did it and it was because he knew that the run blocking wasn't good enough and and it's going to be a big line and it's going to be a line with some talent as we'll get to when we get to the offensive line production but uh he's the kind of kid like you said like chris tyree that doesn't necessarily need a lot of doesn't need a lot of touches to uh, um, to to happen. So Ryan, you just got like super bright over there. I don't know what the heck right. happened there. Yeah, you look yeah. like there was like an angelic host was in front of you lighting up your room. So, uh, but we're we're back. To, we're good now. Let's go to receiver and let's just get the trifecta over with. There's really no question about it that the best receiver on Notre Dame's schedule, in my opinion, is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is one of the best receivers in the country. Production was brilliant last year. I don't I don't know if he'll repeat that production uh, simply because, you know, teams are going to be able to focus a little bit on him more like like they kind of did Garrett Wilson last year. And and I also think that I don't know if he's going to have sort of the he had a couple games last year that really boosted his stats way up, doesn't take away from his brilliance. It's just when he is the focus of the offense, is he going to have the 15 for 240 he had against Nebraska you know, the, the, is he going to face defenses that are throwing their, their, their running backs out at corner like they did in the Rose Bowl? I just don't see that. But I actually think he's going to be a more impactful receiver this year because he is going to be the guy. He's right. going to be the one they go to in those big moments like they did Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave last year. So even if his production doesn't match last year's for whatever reason, I think he's going to be a better player. And he's going to be one of the, the the minimum four to five best receivers in the country. I mean, I look at him. I look at the kid from LSU who's in that conversation. Jordan Addison's in that conversation. There's some really good receivers this year. But mm-hmm. if you're having a best receiver in the country conversation, Ryan, and you don't include Jackson Smith and Jigba in the conversation, then I don't think you understand what makes a good wide receiver. Yeah, no, I mean, he's a, he's a really good player, man. Like, he's a high-volume kid. You know that he – especially with the playing majority of the reps in the slot at least last season – He's a guy that has gotten 
CJ Stroud's absolute trust, working the short to intermediate game, working the RPO game. And he actually did more after the catch last year than I originally remember, Brian. Like he made some big plays after the catch last year. There's going to be a conversation about how translatable that is from college to the NFL. But as far as a college receiver, man, like he is, he's dynamic in his role as, as a slot receiver, strong hands, really good route runner. It was a no brainer. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. production backs it up, the impact backs it up. And he's just, a, he's just a really good football player. There's another kid that you and I had a consensus on, and that is Joshua Downs from North Carolina. He is a kid that, in my opinion, is not getting enough respect as a big-time football player. You know, He doesn't have that secondary weapon to take pressure off of him the way that some other receivers did. Anybody in this room ever heard of Antoine Green? I didn't think so. That's the guy that North Carolina was relying on to take pressure off of Joshua Downs last year. 101 catches, 1,335 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, this is a kid that I think is is there. I think the overall offense is going to be a little better this year than it was last year. Though last year they put too much on Sam Howell. Uh, I think this year you're going to see a little bit more of a balanced offense. I think Josh is going to maybe see his catches go down a little bit, but his yards per catch go up, and mm-hmm. and have a really big year. He's a he's a really talented football player in my opinion, and and did that without really having the kind of supporting cast that a lot of other receivers. Uh, in the country had. And the other thing too, Ryan is we talked about, you know, like Jordan Addison and some of the bigger games didn't have the big production. I I, I can't say that about Josh Downs. We had 10 catches for 142 yards against Notre Dame. You had eight catches for 203 yards against Virginia. And even when the offense was struggling, he went for eight for 123 against Virginia tech. You had eight for 95 in the rain at Pittsburgh, you know? So this is a kid that to me, he was not the reason their offense sputtered at times last year. It's a really good football player. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Brian, I consider kind of the technician and the dependable type of player, right? You, you always count on a, a Jackson Smith and Jigba. Josh Downs, the word that comes to mind is dynamic. Like whether that is after the catch, working down the field vertically, uncovering downfield, like he just is, he's a lightning in a bottle, man. And yeah. I, last guy that on my list is also a lightning in the bottle that we'll get to in a second. But like, I just, I love Josh Downs' game, man. Like he's, I think there's, more nuanced to his game too than you would give him credit for because he was mm-hmm. just like a, a really a first year contributor. I know he played a little bit as a freshman, but like for the most part, he was kind of thrust into duty because if you remember last year, the leading returning receiver from the year before was Bo Corrales who got yeah. hurt last year. And I think yep. he transferred to a different school this off season. I forget which, where, where he transferred yeah. to, but I didn't know much about Joshua Downs. I didn't. And then you kind of see him and you're just like, man, this kid can separate in any level of the field and he's dynamic and he's explosive and I mean, he was a problem against Notre Dame, man, because he is just yeah. such a good football player. So I was so happy to get him on the list. I thought it was a no-brainer for me, at least, if we had three wide receiver spots to get him on the list because I I would put him in the conversation of the most dynamic player on the list just in general yeah. from a playmaking perspective. He can affect the game in so many different ways, Josh Downs. So let's actually have that conversation real quick. I think that yep. there's two. I think there's two mm-hmm. players that, in my view, just separate themselves from everybody else as just playmakers. For mm-hmm. me, it's him, Josh Downs, and Travion Henderson. Those are my two. Those I, are my I two. Would, I would because you like said different throw. ways. You said yes. different ways, right? So that Jackson yes. Smith is a phenomenal receiver, but I'm not worried about him. You know, he's just a receiver. Travion right. Henderson is a guy that can run the ball, can catch the ball. You know, if you want him to be your kick returner, you could be that. You mentioned how right. Josh Downs can hurt you in so many different ways. Those, those would be my two that I would put in there. And I, I is, would, is your third guy going to be your next receiver? Yes. Yes, Okay. Is. 
let's go to the third receiver because this is where we had a little bit of a disagreement and yeah. and I'll explain why we disagreed on this one because I I really wanted to go with Ryan on this one. So your number three receiver is Zay Flowers, wide receiver okay. from Boston College. The the complex that I had was, and I know people are in the chat probably already or are going to later on comment and say, how could you not put the Bolitnikoff Award winner on your list? Jordan Addison right. now at USC. And I get it, folks. Trust me. I understand. This was my internal debate. We are projecting towards the 2022 season, right? And I think with a healthy filter code for the whole year, because if you go look back at the at the start that Zay Flowers had last year, he was off to a great start until Phil got hurt. And then after that, I mean, Brian, I was watching games where he was uncovering everywhere on the field, and right. yet they just could not get him the football. Man. Right. Like he had. Like, You're talking about when yards. the other the other kid yes. was a quarterback. Number six. Yeah. Number six. Yeah. When, when he was in the game, nothing was happening, man. And there were several deep yeah. balls where, like, he's wide open, and they just could not get him the football. John, uh, Zay Flowers, excuse me, should have had well over a thousand yards last oh, year. Easy. It was just moderate quarterback play. It was yeah. not great after Phil got hurt. And then when Phil came back, it still wasn't good because Phil should not have been playing down the stretch. Yeah. For being he just honest. could get nothing on it, but he just yeah. could make play still. And that's why they needed yes. him back. And that's why they won games. Even when he was out or when he came back is why they still went, you know, cause they weren't going to win. They weren't going to go two and two down the stretch. If Phil doesn't play, that's just yes. a fact. And yeah. that's why they brought him and, back. But and I just I, think similarly to Josh Downs, Zay flowers is a kid that I think can, work after the catch and he's even better after the catch than, than Josh Downs right. to be honest like he is some got some crazy vision in the open field right. man so like RPO game screen game get him in space and let him work and then also I mean that kid's got to be a legit 4-3 something athlete man like he yeah. can uncover deep so well so this is a multi-level threat and a dynamic football player and I, if honestly, if Brian wanted me to go with Jordan Addison, I wouldn't have pushed back too much on it. But uh, Brian, then I would have made you make like yeah. an all-purpose player spot, so right? I For Zay Flowers on the yeah. field, man. Like he's no, he wouldn't have player. made me do it. He just, you just would have done it. You said, "Hey, Brian, real quick before defense, I just want to create something. We're going to go Zay Flowers," and I would have understood it. Uh, so, so here, here's my thing, Ryan. If you're saying, "Hey, who who would you want on your team?" Honestly, I'd probably pick Zay Flowers to, to your right. point. I, I I think that there's no question he would have had a thousand yards last year if Phil doesn't get hurt. It's just the 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 difference in production is so great. Uh just I mean, for context purposes, I mean the first game, two games of the year, he had nine catches for two hundred and uh two hundred and three yards with Phil mm-hmm. in the game. You know, and then the it just I mean it just Okay. I mean, that's kind of how it would have gone. And then Phil, you know, still had a, a two catch for 87 yard game with Phil back, had a three catch for 92 yard game with Phil back. Cause the thing that Phil can do that the other kid could do is throw bombs. Yes. And that's the thing is he doesn't need a hundred catches to get to 1500 yards. You know, I mean, he's going to be a big yards per play guy, but the production difference was so, so significant mm-hmm. that I just can't justify it at this point in time, putting Zay on there. I don't sure. disagree with anything you just said. And if I was picking a guy for my offense that I'm just running, I would I would want Zay in the slot for me because I could also put him outside. I can do a lot of different things for him. I can run jet sweeps. I do a lot of things with him that like he to me he's like a a, a an even more you know dynamic version of Brain Lindsay. You know what we talk about what Brain Lindsay can do, but he's shown Zay has shown he can be a volume guy as well. I mean he's had right. you know 50 catches. What he had what 44 last year. He had over 50 I think the year before uh, mm-hmm. with Phil. And I think he played like what, like 10, 11 games the year before. So yeah, just the the production is just, I mean, Jordan Addison had over hundred catches over 1500 yards. My issue with Jordan, Jordan Addison and, and why I 
this wasn't an easy call for me mm-hmm. is because I do think some of his production was a little bit inflated last year, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, you know, six catches for 124 yards, three touchdowns against Western Michigan, six catches for 179 yards, three touchdowns against Georgia Tech. Yep. You know, he had uh, see six catches for 117 yards against Georgia against Georgia. I'm sorry, the six for 179 for three touchdowns was against New Hampshire. He had six catches for 117 yards and a touchdown against Georgia Tech, who was terrible on yes. defense last year. I mean, just absolutely terrible. It's a team that gave up 100. I mean, last year they gave up over 50 points to to Pitt. They gave up 48 points to Virginia, 33 to Miami, 41 to Boston College, 55 to their name, 45 to Georgia. You know, it's just kind of like, well, they're terrible. And and he had, you know, good numbers against them. But, I mean, you know, just I, I wasn't impressed, you know, right. with, with that. And then, you know, played some of the better teams in the schedule. Five for 84 and a touchdown against Clemson's good. I mean, that's, a, that's a good day. Uh, sure. Seven for 171 against Duke, who's terrible. Uh, 14 for 202 against for, four touchdowns against Virginia's secondary, who, which was terrible last year. Then he goes for 11 for 81 against Syracuse. I would argue that was the best secondary he played last year, and all he did was catch now screens and quick throws. That's it. He could not separate deep against Syracuse last year. And then Wake Forest's terrible defense, 8 for 126, and then against Michigan State, who had literally the worst pass defense in the country last year, like literally the worst pass defense in the country. He goes 7 for 114. So I'm not trying to take away at all from from the fact that he's a good football player. And and just for the record, some of those teams I mentioned – Michigan State ranked 130th last year in pass defense. Duke ranked 129th last year in pass defense. Georgia Tech ranked 121st last year in pass defense. So, I mean, I think I think the point has been kind of made that they did not play anybody really good. There, there's there, there, one so good there's secondary. A com- there's a common denominator that he he torched a lot of bad a lot of bad defenses. defenses. Now that doesn't mean he's not a good player because there's a lot of people sure. that wouldn't have had 100 catches for 1500 yards against those that schedule, right? So this isn't to say Jordan Addison's not a good he's a really good receiver and just production wise alone he's in that conversation for top receivers in the country. It's just are you going to put him in an offense where he is the guy and not a lot around him against big, you know, the best teams in the country. And is he going to be able to go out there and make those plays? I just don't see it. Now mm-hmm. he'll put up good numbers again this year at USC because he'll actually have some you know, some support. And he also sure. played with the, you know, arguably one of the most, the one of the best core. I mean, not arguably, he played with one of the best quarterbacks in the country last year too. He's going to yeah. have that again this year, as you said. Zay played half the year with a very subpar quarterback compared to other people and then the other last four games with a kid is really talented but was injured you yeah. know who, who broke his hand his throwing hand by the way so mm-hmm. I think for me that's kind of why I gotta go with Jordan Addison but I don't feel great about it and I feel that's a little disrespectful to the kid for the production he had but I'm just being honest I it won't shock me if Zay Flowers is the more dynamic player this year no matter what the numbers tell us it will it won't matter right. Brian, can I back check to Zay for one second? Because I have a great Zay Flowers story. So it was not before this past season. It was the season before when Zay had his breakout year, 50-something catches for over 800 yards, whatever it was with with Phil. I actually talked to the director of player personnel at Boston College for some NFL draft insights, okay? And I asked, is there any wide receivers or anybody else that we should should talk about that I should, should be on my radar? And Brian, he said... Uh, no, we don't. We don't typically recruit very well at wide receiver. We don't have a ton of speed at that position. And then that same season, 
Zay Flowers comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, you lied to me, sir. You lied to me. You knew Zay Flowers was there, and you did not give me the heads up on Zay Flowers. Mm-hmm. So give him his respect, man. <laughs> give him his respect. Yeah, he's a good football player. He's a good football player. Tight end, Ryan. Let's get back to being on the same page. Tight end, we are on the same page, and that is Benjamin Urasek. There's not a lot of great tight ends on the schedule this year, but it wouldn't matter to me. Like, he's going to be in that conversation. We saw it firsthand last year. Notre Dame saw it firsthand last year when when he had a really good game against Notre Dame last year with a completely depleted receiving core around him. This is a kid that Notre Dame recruited to play defensive line. And he goes out at Stanford last year with supporting cast beat up, has 43 catches for 658 yards, uh, didn't play, only played 11 games, five for 87 against Notre Dame, five for 64 against Cal. Those are two really good defenses that he did that against. So you talk about, and then he didn't really become a, a key part. I mean, he had four catches for 30 in the opener, one for 10 against USC, two for 47 against Vanderbilt, didn't play against UCLA, three for 41 against Oregon. That was the first five games. Then he broke out against Arizona State and five for he went six for 118 against Arizona State, then five for 99, six for 93, four for 42, two for 27, five for 64, five for 87. That's what we're going to see from him on a consistent basis this year, in my opinion. Yes. And he's going to have a really good season. He's going to be one of the 10 best tight ends in the country this year, in my opinion. There's, yeah. there's no doubt. He's an athletic kid. He's a big kid. He can block a little bit. He's a really good pass catcher and a really good athlete. I expect big things from Ben Yurasek this year. I could not agree more, Brian, with with how you phrase that. It's like, yes, there was not really another clear option after Ben Yurasek, but like really good player, man. I mean, he's got length. He's I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to add a little bit of size this year because I think he was only listed at like 230, 231 pounds, something like that last year. But, I mean, that play against Notre Dame, it was a bad angle by Xavier Watts, the, the long touchdown, but then you're like, oh, but when you get an open field, man, he's got a little speed to him. Like he's a really – nice athlete for his size and they're going to depend on him a lot because I mean mm-hmm. they have a couple of receivers like Michael Wilson who's a solid player and Elijah Higgins who has some talent but Benjamin Urasek is the clearest top option in that passing game coming back at least from a consistency perspective during the second half of the year last year so I'm excited to see Benjamin Urasek because it's a really it's actually there's a lot of good tight ends in college football this year man like it's a pretty nice little list but I agree with you Ben Urasek deserves to be talked within the top 10 tight ends in the country because he just had a quietly really good season for a team that struggled in a lot of areas. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go offensive line, Ryan. And yep. this one was tough because there's some guys moving positions. You know, there's some projection. And honestly, interior offensive line, it's not a great year nationally. So it was a little bit challenging to find some guys. We actually agreed on the three interior guys. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a disagreement. So at tackle. So let's start from the center out. And that yes. way we can kind of work through it. Number one, there's a couple decent centers on the schedule. Luke Whipler's probably the best of the group. I think the reason I went with him is Brett Nealon was a really good pass protector last year, but didn't show me a lot in the run game. I think Luke Whipler is a better all-around player, not special. I could see Brett Nealon maybe taking that over this year, maybe, but they're both solid players. Neither are, are special guys, but I'm going with Luke Whipler because I think he's a steady, tough kid. That is gonna is gonna now that he's got a lot of experience is gonna be a real consistent anchor to that Ohio State offensive line. He's not a guy that I would predict on being the best Ohio State offensive lineman because there's right. guys with with much higher ceilings than Luke Whipler. Right. But Brian, last year, in my opinion, I think he was most consistent offensive lineman they had. I mean, he was kind of a steadying force because Harry Miller was supposed to be the starting center. Then he has to go out, unfortunately, with everything that he was dealing with. And I thought mm-hmm. Luke Whipler played pretty well last year man like for yeah. a redshirt freshman i thought he did some really he's just nice not a sexy player right like he's not that kid that's going to come off and blow people 10 yards off the ball you just watch him play and you're like kid just does his job every snap and isn't that kind of what you want from a center you know what i mean like you want a guy the center more than anything else a center has to be dependable yes he has you just got to be able to, he's going to get the ball where he needs to get to and he's going to block where he needs to get to every snap and that's what luke whipler is i mean mm-hmm. i just i just again i He's just a steady player, and, and there's not a lot of that on the schedule. There's not a lot of centers that bring that. There's some guys that are bigger and stronger and a little bit more powerful in the run game, and you know, I think you could maybe argue that, that Brett Nealon maybe is a little bit better pass blocker, but this is a kid that just is going to go out and do his job every snap and be a solid player, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of – there's a. I would not be as high on that if it, we're talking guard or tackle. You know, yes. I want a little bit more dominance there, but at center, I just want a guy that's going to go do his job. And do it mm-hmm. snap after snap after snap. And to me, that's what that's why Luke Whipler was my was my center on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you can make a you can make a case for Nalon from mm-hmm. from USC. I think I'm pronouncing that right. But other than that, man, like the Millette kid from Marshall was a good player, but he graduated, obviously. I know we oh, talked we, a little bit about we're not talking about Marshall offensive linemen in today's show. <laughs> I also know. That uh, Nugent was a kid from Stanford yeah. that you talked a little bit about. I know you he's another good pass pro guy. Again, yeah. he's an, he's another really good pass pro guy, but they are so bad, so mm-hmm. bad at run blocking. I couldn't justify putting. I mean, if we're going to talk about just talent, I got two Stanford guys on my start on, on this list. Yeah, like seriously, mm-hmm. uh, pick one of their tackles, and he's on this list just on talent. Talent. Yes. And 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 Drake Nugent's a guy that I'm like, that's a d- kind of talented kid, but. They're so bad at run blocking. I mean, just so bad at run block. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you all the stats because I I, I just want people to understand this. 
So Notre Dame, we've talked about how bad Notre Dame's offensive line was at run blocking, right? We've we've talked about it a lot. So last year, Notre Dame, as bad as they were, averaged 144 yards per game rushing. Pretty bad, right? And 4.1 yards per carry. Really bad. Like for Notre Dame especially. Stanford last year averaged 86.8 rushing yards per game and 3.2 yards per attempt. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> brutally bad and i can't justify and they're not a it'd be one thing if they were like washington state or mississippi state you know teams that just like don't run the ball but that's Uh not the case they just stink at it and you know i just i can't i can't justify they they wasted a little bit of talent at at running back too because i thought austin jones was a decent little player and he i mean he averaged like what three points something last year who's the other running back they had that transferred uh Nathaniel yes, Pete. Nathaniel Pete. They had yeah. EJ Smith, Emmett Smith's kid, mm-hmm. who's going to be the mm-hmm. starter this year. Yeah, it's yeah. not like they lacked talent in the back in the backfield. Their offense yeah. in general actually has right. a decent amount of talent, yeah. man, but it's just not good. I mean, did, it just they're just it. terrible. It just yeah. it's, it really comes down to just the lack of they're they're just not tough. Yes, you know they're just not tough because you have I mean because they have literally a quarterback that has NFL talents. I'm not going to say like he's definitely going to hold on the NFL, but like we'll see. They have a couple wide receivers that'll get a look in the NFL with Elijah Higgins and Michael Wilson. They have an NFL level tight end in Benjamin Urasak. They have two offensive tackles where, again, if you just like put them in a line, Brian, you'd be like, I want that guy, right? Like, I want Miles yeah. Hinton to be the starting right tackle for my team. Like, that's what, what they right. look like. And yet, they were bad. They were really bad. So, yep. I, at that point, it's development and coaching, folks. Like, that's, that's the fault here. But guard yeah. was easier. You know, when, when Ryan tried to cheat and I didn't let him cheat. I didn't try to cheat. I didn't try to cheat. I didn't try to cheat. <laughs> you even said, I tried to cheat and put Paris Johnson a guard. Hey, he was a guard last year. He didn't play tackle. I mean, what do you want to say? <laughs> so we went with, we went with uh, Andrew, Andrew Voorhees and Clark Barrington. And I think that's easy. When you just look at the guys who are going to be playing guard this year, Ryan, that's mm-hmm. an easy pick. I mean, those are easy yes. picks. Andrew Voorhees is a really solid – like we've had this conversation like – People talk about like top 50 overall national player and best interior mm-hmm. guy in the country. I don't know about all that, but he's a good player. Sure. Uh, has been has played out of position at times at USC. They try to put him at tackle at times. He's more comfortable inside. He's a good, solid, steady football player, especially yes. as a pass blocker. He Of all the USC linemen, I would argue he's their best run blocker as well. I would argue that. Oh, uh, I don't think it's – yes, I was going to say I don't think it's really all that close. Mm. But that's a that that's an easy. And they, I like Clark Barrington. I think. Look, I don't know who coaches the O line at BYU, but every single year they're tough, they're physical, and they're sound. Yes. And Clark Barrington is the is the best of that of that interior group. After Voorhees for me, it was that was an easy selection for me for interior players. Yeah, I mean, if I backtrack to Voorhees real quick, that was the easiest pick. Honestly, like I, there's just not a ton of good guards on the on the schedule. For being honest. Barrington's there's a not a lot story. of good guards in the country coming back That's this year. Very true. It's not just a schedule. Yeah. It's kind of all encompassing. I would say yes. Clark Barrington's a former walk on Brian. So I always like those kind of guys, man. Mm-hmm. They, he's, he is, he has developed. It's about as good as anyone could have predicted because he was a walk on at BYU fifth year player. And he's turned himself into a really rock solid guard for BYU. So not a, not a sexy name, not a guy that's going to be highly drafted, but as a, just a college football player, He's a really tough, physical, t- good technique type of kid. Not a great athlete or anything. Nothing really stands out from a physical perspective, but he just is a good football player on his level. Yep. 
Tackle, we had a little bit of a disagreement. We did have one similarity, though, and, and that is Blake Freeland, Blake Freeland from BYU. Yes. Another really good – who was the kid they had a couple years? It was a Brady Christensen, right? Brady they had, Christensen. They've had yep. some really good offensive linemen and offensive lines recently, and I would say there's just not a lot of great tackles on the schedule this year, to be honest with you. There's not a lot of great offensive lines on their name schedule, at least proven offensive lines, in my right. opinion. And Blake Freeland, to me, is is a no-brainer. For me, an yeah. offensive tackle, there's going to be some people going to be upset that neither of us considered Dewan Jones. I just don't think he's that good. I could be wrong. I don't think he's that good. Yep. Blake Freeland's a really good football player, a very steady football player, a physical football player, and he's big. He's a really big Massive. kid, and he can, but he can move pretty well for a kid his size, in my high, opinion. High school, high school quarterback and tight yeah. end, Brian. He came yeah. in at like 260 something pounds at six foot eight, and he's got 35 inch arms. Massive kid, and he's just really figuring it out, man. But he is a good athlete, and he has crazy length and really, really good pass blocker. Needs to improve in the run game. Right. There's some, you know, he lacks natural leverage a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. and he's just a taller guy, but like, good athlete, man. He's a yep. really, really good pass blocker. I like a lot of what Blake Blake, Blake Freeland is. The other tackle we disagreed on simply because of the one guy that I went with didn't play tackle last year. Didn't even play on the left side of the line. That would be Paris Johnson Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I buy the hype that people have about him in regard to being really a really good player, but I also understand where you're coming from, Ryan. Of yep. He's got to show me he can play that position, and I, I agree with that. But when I just look at God-given ability, I think he's, he's his combination of – I thought he played well at guard last year. He was he – was, yeah. I would argue that Whipler was their most consistent offensive lineman last year. Johnson flashed the most dominant moments, in my opinion, 100%. last year. No argument. No and argument. he was young. So as long as he can make – now, I don't know if he's going to look like – after the first game or two, he may not look like he belongs – I actually hope he doesn't look like he belongs on this list after the first couple of games. But I think by the middle of the season at the latest – Mm-hmm. that Paris Johnson is going to kind of get into that groove because he's not only going from guard to tackle, he's going from playing right-handed to left-handed, yes. which is not as easy of a transition as people think that it is. So he may have some issues early in the season. I can live with that. By the middle to end of the season, there's going to be no doubt that he will be the best tackle on Notre Dame's schedule. When we look at just at the postseason all-opponent team awards, I think he's going to be really good. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, and Brian, this is why I wanted to try to get him on the list. It's just right. I haven't seen him play tackle. I, I get it. I mean, really talented kid. He's the most talented offensive lineman that we have on this list by a landslide. I ended up, because I wanted to give him a nod, excuse me, to Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, who I don't know if people right. have seen Matthew Bergeron. He's number 60, starting left tackle, Canadian-born player. He's really good, man. Like, he's a really, really good player. And I have not said that about a Syracuse offensive lineman in quite a bit of time. Been a minute. But, yes. Yeah. Matthew Bergeron is a really talented player, 6'5", 320, strong hands. He's he's one of the best offensive tackles in college football, and he just hasn't been on the, the forefront of people's minds because he plays for a Syracuse team that has struggled over the last couple of years with Dino Babers. But a lot of the reason that Sean Tucker was in consideration for us at running back is because of Matthew Bergeron. He is, mm-hmm. he is their, easily their best offensive lineman, really good football player. I mean, we sat here and talked about how you know, Syracuse has the best running quarterback on their name schedule. They've got, I would say, the second best running back. Would you say Sean Tucker, Tucker's number two on your list yes. at running back this year? Yeah. I would as well. And that didn't happen because they couldn't block. Now, of course, Pro Football Focus has his run blocking grade way low, which is why they're terrible. Yeah. Uh, 
the 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 thing for me is I think he's a solid player. Mm-hmm. I just think the other two guys have more upside, more potential as I project forward. Obviously, but but I understand where you're coming from on that one. I would argue that that we're not discussing some guys that have even uh, without uh, Paris Johnson. To me, it has first round talent. Yeah, you would agree with that. We got to just see yes. him play it. It's all we've ever mm-hmm. said. Just got to see him play it before we project him onto an all. Ryan has said that you got to see him play it before he projects him to an all all opponent team, which is should be fair. Anyone that's objective and paying attention. Mm-hmm. But I would say that the that Walter Rouse and it might be might be number two on my list as far as just God given ability from Stanford, which even further project. And if you didn't want to go Walter Rouse, then maybe you might want to argue it's Miles Hinton. I, I, I probably <laughs> you know would. I mean? yeah. like, that, that Hinton kid is silly talented. He's a silly talented guy. Right. Yeah. Right. So I mean, that's that's the reality of it. Is just it just speaks to just how insane it is that that team isn't better than it is on offense. It's just it's it's, it's gross, man. It's gross. It really we literally talked gross. about three different offensive linemen that should be in the contention. Yes, list, but aren't. they're not. And there's a reason. They're not. There's a reason. It's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. So my list: Paris Johnson, Blake Freeland at offensive tackle, Andrew Voorhees, Clark Barrington at guard, Luke Whipler at center. The only difference Ryan had is Matt Bergeron at tackle over Paris Johnson because we just need to see him do it offensive wise CJ Stroud at quarterback Travion Henderson at running back Jackson Smith and Jigba Josh Downs at receiver Benjamin Urasek at tight end the only difference we had in skill players was I had Jordan Addison receiver Ryan had Zay Flowers which I think both have very strong very strong cases to work with this year so that is our all opponent team Ryan Uh, we think that that quarterback receiver are the best as a, as a whole schedule beginning to end is the best two groups that this Notre Dame defense is going to face this year. Yes. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.